Just a note for the episode. The names of the Hittite characters, some are made up and some are actual historical figures. Mersili, Herapsili, Zedanta, they were actually real people, historical figures. As well as a few other characters that have not yet entered the story. I apologize if I've mispronounced the names. I've seen different pronunciations and I'm just going to stick with the ones I've been using. But some events in the story are obviously fictional, and others are actual events that have been recorded by archaeologists. Tying them all together in a fictional story can be challenging. When I first started reading about the Hittites, there wasn't much history to go on, just a few events and a few historical figures. And you would think that would give me an easier time writing a fictional story. But they do say history is stranger than fiction. And this is one man's attempt to fill in the spaces. By the orders of King Hantilly, all those in service of the traitor Mersili are deemed enemies of the state. As Sam and Rowan began panicking, attempting to find an escape route, but it was futile as the building was by now surrounded by soldiers ready to thwart any such attempt by the small group inside. With swords drawn and shields ready, the soldiers were not at all surprised when their now prisoners exited the building showing no resistance. They moved quickly in disarming the fugitives, before binding their hands and leading them through the streets lit by the dwindling evening sun. The army was controlling the city. As they walked, acts of injustice were being committed by soldiers all around them, determined to find any and all the deemed traitors. Citizens being dragged from their homes into the street and beaten to death as their families looked on in horror. The simplest of reasons was just cause to give the soldiers their motivation. A sadistic pleasure arose from tormenting the innocent, and no one attempted any resistance for fear of being the next victim. A deep evil filled the streets that was running its course, and for now... Only the few lucky ones remained hidden inside their homes, hoping for the nightmare to end. Streets became steeper the further they walked. Looking back at the massive towers of the gate that were now below them. Ahead of them the citadel. A massive structure elevated on a small rocky plateau above the city surrounded by its own set of walls built around the cliff edge to give enemies one more cause to retreat. Another wall separated them from the citadel. Smaller than the outer wall, yet no less impressive, adorned with carvings and painted frescoes of gods and battles years past, displays of people proud of their own history. Yet it was no longer used as a fortification, as it was more to regulate traffic between the various neighborhoods. All throughout the city, Salmon noticed these walls as they climbed the streets. Not sure if it was one continuous structure or many. At every wall they encountered, 
a gate stood over the street guarded by a different pair of sphinxes and their seemingly disinterested human counterparts. Some sphinxes were of the familiar lions, while others were of deer, long-forgotten kings, heroes, and beasts unknown to the islands. The palace came into view as they rounded the one last corner. Samus squinted, lifting his right arm up, attempting to block out the sun, finally fighting its way through the thinning ash clouds and shining down the street. Soldiers directed them through a tall set of doors, separated by a single beam supporting the roof above. A massive structure, taller than four grown men standing atop each other's soldiers, plated in bronze. It was an awe-inspiring sight that only Sama appeared amazed by. Standing guard on either side was a stone horse with wings, stretched out in either direction, forming a semi-arc, barely touching at their tips. Similar to the one standing at the main gates, yet more detailed and painted as to appear alive. Beneath their hooves, a spring poured water into a small basin which ran along each side of the doorway before draining into catch basins. Samuel wondered to himself why a horse would have wings, and his mind drifted, asking what it would be like to ride such an animal. All others, including Rowan himself, were indifferent, having been witness to them on many occasions. Still to Sama, a sight to be remembered. But to Sama, a sight to always be remembered. Born of curious thought. And etched into his mind, not knowing why. For he had no love of horses. A small detachment of soldiers guarding them stood relaxed, drinking water from the spring and ignoring the men approaching their post. Their leaders obviously inside, busy with other duties. The atmosphere inside the palace was one of eerie peace. Everyone they passed went about their duties, ignoring one another, yet aware of everything around them. It was not crowded, yet every hallway they passed through, every room was occupied by small groups, almost silent, except for the constant whispers and footsteps that echoed the stone walls from floor to ceiling. Reaching a pair of closed bronze-covered doors, similar to those at the entrance to the palace, with their own pair of winged horses on either side, Sam's eyes fixed on the lone person standing before them. An old man with long gray hair that blended with a matching gray beard, dressed in a set of white royal robes lined with golden ribbon on the collar and wrists. He was of an average height, but difficult to guess as he did his best to stand straight, fighting with the inevitable slouch that comes with age. What's your business? Traitors for the king to question. They were caught attempting to enter the city, the commander answered, standing in front of Sama and now blocking his view. Attempting to enter, the old man questioned. Yes, this man is cousin to Mersili. We thought it wise to bring him to the king before executing him. This one is a scribe of Canossus. And the other three are local guards in their trust. The old man gave a long stare at the five men before him, before reaching for a wooden staff standing upright against the doors. 
and giving three forceful knocks in succession. A moment passed as the doors opened slowly, revealing the room beyond. The five men walked into the room, the soldiers behind, watching their every move. Sam's eyes wandered, looking at every detail from the height of the ceilings to the ornamentation on the walls. It was too much to see in that moment, as the others focused on the thrones placed against the far wall and the people occupying them. A man of middle age slouched over leaning to his side, his face covered in stubble with hair greasy from days absent of hygiene. Beside him, a woman dressed in the finest silks and jewelry, sitting up straight, paying attention to every word being spoken by those around her. She commanded a presence which few if any woman had, confident, forceful, and ambitious, yet subservient and compassionate to those in need, when only such emotions were needed to gain an advantage. A voice came from the side of the room. Presenting King Hantili and Queen Herapsili, sister of the late King Mersili. The king didn't even acknowledge the announcement, his mind somewhere else. Yet the queen sat at attention, ready to receive the men in the royal throne room. Giving her best smile, she could not disguise her true intentions as the men approached the throne. And what is this presented before me? My queen, these two men are attempting to enter the city. The other three are your own men who assisted in the attempt. The lead guard bowed his head, explaining the reason for bringing the men before her. This one is cousin to and scribe. The queen smiled, now recognizing one of the men, and interrupted the guard mid-sentence. Rowan. Rising up out of her throne, she walked towards the prisoner with arms stretched, ready to receive him with a warm embrace. Much to the concern of her guard standing behind, now taking a ready position as they stepped cautiously toward the throne. I had wondered if my dear cousin had perished in the great wave. It's a joy to see you again. It's been ages since we last spoke. Now here you are before me. Her expression and tone quickly went from that of greeting to one of irritation. Why did you return? Rowan looked at her puzzled, now unsure of what to believe, if anything, of what he had heard in the stable. My brother was right about you, stubborn and resilient, always appearing when least expected. She turned back towards her throne and sat down giving a long pause, her mind turning with thoughts. An ever-present evil stood watch over her, giving sway with every decision, every order. An evil fueled by ambition and greed. Already those closest to her were dead because of this evil. Now even a distant relative was to meet his end, paying the price for her, the new queen. 
Zedanta. What would I do with this traitor? She asked, motioning toward a man dressed in royal robe, standing behind the king's throne. My queen, may I suggest we reward the guards for their service in bringing them to us? The queen pointed to a group of soldiers standing along the back wall of the room near the door. Walking toward the group in front of the thrones, they drew their swords. Then began hacking and slashing the men standing guard over Sam and Rowan. Unable to react quickly, the entire group was cut down before they could offer any resistance. Sama, Rowan, Aenid, and his men remained kneeling in front of the thrones, now frozen with a mixture of fear and confusion, as the royal court laughed mockingly at the sudden waste of human life. With sword drawn, the royal guard now stood behind the prisoners, awaiting her order. The king, now shaken by what he had witnessed, sat forward in his throne with his elbows placed on his knees, placing his head in his hands, and shouted out, causing the room to go silent. What is this I have done? The gods will seek justice for the blood of my brother. The queen was quick to react, ordering the royal guards to remove the prisoners from the throne room, now where any disagreement from the king would surely spell disaster for her plans. But Rowan, beyond any sense of reason and filled with rage, did not hold back as he spoke what those in the throne room would not dare. The truth. You call yourself queen, it is in all but name. No queen would so easily order death, showing mercy when begged, allowing injustice to pass without punishment, and this. Life is not a cheap thing to be cast away on a whim. The queen's eyes grew wide at Rowan's speech, taking offense that such a man beneath her standing would dare accuse her of such things, and in the royal court of all places. We have heard enough. Your little group of followers will be sentenced to work in the salt mines. As for you, other arrangements will be made. Rowan was confused by her last statement. What did she mean by arrangements? Before he could make sense of what was happening, Zedanta, the man in the royal court, walked behind him, drew a knife from beneath his robes, and thrust it deep into the back of Rowan's neck. Sama and Aenid looked on in shock as their friend was repeatedly struck, screaming for his attacker to stop, yet keeping his eyes focused on the queen. The attack continued for several seconds until Rowan had ceased the struggle, his eyes fading into the distant nothingness that followed every man's passing. A silence followed, the entire room now having been witness to the true evil of those in power. Not even the slightest laughter came from anyone's lips. The queen's motives were clear. Anyone who opposed her. Anyone of differing opinion. And anyone with objection to her whims was sure to meet their end. If her own blood was not safe from the insane ambition of this royal court, then no other would dare oppose her except a loyal few. As Zedanta moved from Rowan's lifeless body now standing behind Sama, the queen raised her hand. 
What reason would you give that I should spare your life, Islander? A smile crossed her face as she was now enjoying the way with which she could so easily order a man's life to come to an end. Sam had decided to stand, slowly. After all he had been through up to this, after all he had lost in his life, after all the suffering, if this was his final moment, he was determined to face it on his feet, to stand with pride and humility, for only the gods could save him from his fate. I didn't come this far to die on my knees to a whore who calls herself queen. Her absolutely became angry with the man now standing before her. What to do with this man? The salt mines were a perfect place for him to live out his days. Yet she could order his death right then and there. What to do, she asked, second-guessing herself, now showing a glimmer of respect for this man. But before she could give an order, a man dressed in armor walked across the room, approaching Zedanta from behind. The queen, slow to realize what was happening, never even gave a warning to her loyal soldier, as the man struck Zedanta with his sword in the back of the head, causing a deep wound, but unknown to the attacker, merely knocked him unconscious. Confusion followed, as those loyal to the queen gathered around her throne, while the others formed a group around Sama, Enid, and the remaining prisoners. No one was quick to react as the rebellious guards slowly escorted Sama's group out of the throne room, with Sama staring back toward the lifeless body of his now dead friend. The queen, unwilling to risk her own protection, was reluctant to release any of her own guard to pursue the fleeing prisoners. Outside the palace, Sama, Enid, and his men were greeted by a large group of horsemen in full body armor. Those they quickly realized, loyal to the old King Mersili by the banners they carried. Without a word, Sama, Enid, and the rest of the group mounted the spare horses and followed the rescuers through the empty streets, listening to the horses' hooves clamping. As they passed the locked doors and windows of every home, their pace quickened with a sense of safety over their heads that only recently Sama had almost forgotten, and only those already dead were to enjoy in the coming days. Mm -hmm.